You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, zillions of zippy, zany, zesty, z-docs, zeals. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 139, and I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your ridiculously rad, riffing, and ranting ragamuffins. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Uh, as you might be able to hear, we have another special guest. Baby Chris is in the house. In the ergo baby. <laughs> ergo baby. <laughs> Kajito yeah. ergo, ergo baby. baby. Yes. Yeah. I want to thank everybody who uh, responded to uh, the, the magic trick that I did last week. Yeah! Some people said they were not fooled, but some people were shocked to find that the magic trick worked on them. That's awesome. They probably <laughs> almost ran their car off the bridge. <laughs> oh my goodness! I was thinking Denmark kangaroo orange, too. <laughs> He's a sorcerer. That's what a lot of people say. Like, oh, you're a wizard, Chris. <laughs> Go to Hogwarts. Hogwarts, yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to kick it off to Dana, because you got something special for us. Mm -hmm. You got a word. Yeah, I have a word for you guys. It's U-catastrophe. E-U. No, U-catastrophe. Me-catastrophe. It's U-catastrophe. It's Mm E-U-C-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. And it means a happy ending to a story. A happy ending to a story. A happy ending to a story. okay. So the opposite of a catastrophe. So the you like like the you in eulogy, right? Like good mm-hmm. or euphoria. Uh, oh, yeah. or so, eurythmics. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. 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 Very good, Chris. That's so, <laughs> very good, Chris. Do you count it as a direct opposite of catastrophe? No, it's not so, really. Right. Catastrophe means the end, and it usually is negative. And uh, then this is like a happy ending, a and good, it's specifying that it's a good, yeah. <laughs> like, good job brain. A good ending that could have been bad, but was actually We're your good. We're favorite yeah. catastrophe. Yep. Yeah. 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 For, so for, if you guys want more weird words or more uncommon, quirky words, I um, do. you can find them at Words Are So Weird on Twitter. Um, I post a new word every day, sometimes with a picture. Free words, please. Oh, I've been paying for them. Wait, oh. what kind of scam are you running on me, Dana? <laughs> no, you're you're part of the Platinum Club. Yeah. yeah. Your words are so weird gold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get special words, Colin. All right, without further ado, let's jump into our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz! Hot Shot! You guys all have your morning zoo radio buzzers, and I have here a random trivial pursuit card. And here we go. Blue Edge for Geography, for whom is Jules Undersea Lodge, an underwater motel in Key Largo, Florida, named? Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> Colin. I'm assuming Julian Jules, Jules Verne. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes, Jules Verne, not Julian Lennon. Uh, of course, Jules Verne, the author of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. fun. I would stay at an undersea lodge. Uh, right. We talked about this before. No, it's not. I don't. <laughs> You don't I don't approve. Oh. I veto. Would you even just go down to see what it's like? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It's it, something like something about ocean and pressure. Like it's really the right, pressure right, right. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. stuff that kind of freaks me out. And getting the bends that I don't know. That is, right. that is a really <laughs> erratic. 
national I hope they're not that deep. Like, like, yeah. yeah, I think it's just, you know, just covered over the top by water. Uh, I don't know. Okay. No. What about uh, an ice hotel? Would you do that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, You're not scared it would collapse. It just on depends you? on the phases of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Pink Wedge for pop culture. On what soap opera can you find Jennifer Aniston's real life father? Oh. oh. Oh, Colin. Uh, was he? It was on one of the really long run. Was it? Okay. Um, was it Young and the Restless? Incorrect. Mm. I, you can just start. Is with it the me. Bold and the Beautiful? Incorrect. All my children. Days Guiding. of Our Lives. Oh, that was gonna be my the four yeah. Yeah. John Aniston huh. plays Victor Caracas. Yeah. Kyriakis. Kyriakis. Yeah. He's like he's a bad guy. I think. Oh really? I believe so. Scandalous. All right, Yellow Wedge. What flammable gas filled the Hindenburg? Oh. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, hydrogen. Oh, is it hydrogen? Hydrogen. hydrogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is hydrogen. Okay. We mm-hmm. talked about this in, I think, one of, in our transportation episode. Yeah. Oh, Dana yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Airships was going to be a big deal. It yeah. was going to be a thing. Of course, uh, the note here says the safer gas, helium, was hard to come by, so... <laughs> it was hard for the Germans to come yeah, by. Yeah, it was... There was an embargo. Yeah. Purple Wedge, what does Horton hear? Oh. <laughs> Everybody! Oh! Uh-huh. Yep, Dr. Seuss. And Green Wedge for science. Whoa. People with what hair color may need extra anesthetic at the dentist's office? Oh. <laughs> uh, red. 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 Yeah. 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 It was a Mythbusters, they're, they're though. Oh, is oh really? Yeah, that it's not true. Yeah, they did a <gasps> test and they were like, no, not true. No, I mean, uh, more sensitive. As as much as I love Mythbusters and I yeah. do, I think that all their experiments, like the biggest weakness, is small sample size. You know? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. The note here says people with naturally red hair can be resistant to some anesthetics. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Well, oh, that's a good reason not, why. Yeah, sure. Not all. Not that they have a low threshold. But they pain. probably have a yeah. higher probability of it. All right, last question, Orange Wedge. On what birthday does a Latina girl celebrate her quinceanera? <laughs> Kin- sorry, quinceanera. <laughs> Uh, 15. 15. 15. 15. 15. Wow, Trivial yeah. Pursuit. You really dropped the ball. That was an easy card. card. Yeah, that was right a good card. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you're I playing mean, against people, you're yeah. like... <laughs> well, if you get that card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good job, brains. So one of our one of our more popular episodes that we've done in the past... Year def- one. Yeah, year, year one. one um, yeah. That we got a lot of fan email and a lot of uh, just, you know, people still kind of talking about it, is our Seasons Eatings mm-hmm. Episode. I mean, we're approaching the holidays, and of course, everybody, you know, top of mind is food, family, and then food. Mm-hmm. We talked about on that show... Haggis. Haggis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and- talked about uh, <laughs> Easter eggs and the Easter bunny yep. and superfetation. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yep. Rabbits can Rabbits get- getting pregnant while they're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yep. man. Yep. I had not had thought about the haggis for a while, but that, <laughs> that also, of course, brought us the tofagus and the... The jagus. Oh, my yes. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. They're, yeah, I think vegetarian haggis is probably the best name. <laughs> Just keep it simple. So today, eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow and I Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow and I Cause I'm tripping really. So, I've brought something for you guys, a little bit of a visual aid here. Let me just, I'll just go ahead and put this on the table. 
Oh my god! <laughs> wow, that's like a brick. Yeah, that it, it is like a brick. It looks both it's, gross it's, and delicious at yes. the same time. Yep. Yeah, um, uh, it is a holiday fruitcake. And let me tell you a little bit about this uh, fruitcake. You, you may notice some things about it. Like it's denser than gold. Like it's, yeah. like it's well, it's actually the Hostess Holiday Fruitcake. I didn't know they made that. Yeah. yeah. So interestingly enough, this is the last Hostess Holiday Fruitcake because this was made before Hostess went out of business. Oh. It was made that last oh. year, and we purchased it uh, <laughs> for fun. I think in the and year, you kept it. Well, in the year 2012, yeah. Well, it doesn't. You can't really tell that it's like a three-year-old at this no. point. Um, piece of holiday cheer. No, it says sell by February 15th. But so February it, 15th. What year? Of what what year? year? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's about two, maybe three years old at this point. As you can see, it's uh, incredibly well preserved. Yeah, yeah. it's not moldy. No, at least it doesn't look like it it's is. It's not. It's not moldy. It still looks uh, rich and uh, moist and everything. Everything inside the plastic wrapper, and it is dense. It's it about is. it's about the size Freaking. and weight of an old cell phone. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Hello, hello. Yes, this is fruitcake. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's and it's glorious. It's filled with all of the what are now traditional fruitcake elements, which is to say neon red and green. That's the <sighs> weirdest part. The neon green, the um, cherries, cherries, or or who knows what. You know, the fruitcake much maligned in our culture. Um, mm-hmm. It's been it's been coming back a little bit. I think Alton Brown did a whole episode of Good Eats about like how to make a fruitcake that's actually good. I yeah. actually really like fruitcake. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know why. What's the bat? Is it just because it's brown and it looks well, weird. Well, if you if you make it badly, then it's not very good to eat. I mean, it's so dense, it's so full of these nuts and dried fruits, and packed so so t- tightly with them that it's kind of it's it's hard to. It choke was it, down. it was like a punchline for years and years yeah. and years. I right. felt like it well, was it, like apparently it started with uh, a lot of people say it started with Johnny. Carson, I remember. I was just gonna say I remember Johnny Carson. A yeah, joke about like the fruitcake is the worst gift. There's only one, and people just pass it around, you know, year after year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And at that time, I mean, it did have this reputation of being um, something that you could uh, age and, you know, keep it around for a long time and re-gift it. Um, Because it's, you know, so full of sugar and, you know, a lot of fruitcakes are so full of alcohol that they will preserve pretty well. Like this one, again, it's been unrefrigerated, but it doesn't look any different than it did. But it probably is also full of preservatives because it is a hostess holiday fruitcake. But here it is. It's a real family heirloom. So, of course... Someday, I, little Chris will pass this along <laughs> to his children and their children and their children. And they can all have it after I'm gone. So it's definitely time for us to have a little chat about fruitcake. To me, it doesn't seem like a cake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like cake, I think it's fluffy and spongy. Like a candy or taffy, almost. Yeah, right. A nutritional bar, like well, you know, it is. Like, it is yeah. like an energy bar. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's yeah, kind of yeah, what it right. is. Um, and that, yeah, that's that's basically the definition. You know, a, a baked good, but that it's just packed full of like fruits and nuts, basically. Fruitcake is, by some reckonings, very, very, very old. Dare I say, millennia old. Wow. The story that I see all over the internet is that the ancient Romans had fruitcake because yeah. there's recipes for like. An energy bar, mm. pine nuts, pomegranate seeds, and barley mash. That's not a recipe. That's just a list of three ingredients. But <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah. find the actual recipe. Like, how do you make it? This, of course, is ancient Rome. So this is like BC, right? In the Middle Ages in Europe, you start to see these regional variations on mm. fruitcake. Again, old and tied to the holiday season. Panfort. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Italy. Yeah. Um, 13th century. Okay. Uh, stolen. Yeah. In Germany. Germany. 
16th century. These cakes probably did not taste so great <laughs> by our standards. Something really interesting about the stolen in particular. Like other fruitcakes, it was made because, of course, you had dried fruits in the winter. You know, didn't have, yeah. you had fresh fruit. You had dried fruit right. that we left over. It was made during the run-up to Christmas when you were celebrating and you wanted to eat something sweet. But in the Catholic world, Saxony, what is now part of Germany, the territory mm-hmm. of Saxony, they were Catholic. And the Advent season, the days running up to Christmas, was a time of fasting. Oh, it was kind of like Lent. So mm. they don't, they didn't eat. So, well, they ate. You but could eat night. things, but the fasting in the Catholic world wasn't so much like not eating. It was uh, not eating certain things. Mm. Oh, okay. And in this particular case, chief among them was butter. The down from the Pope. Like, you cannot eat butter eh. in the days running up to Christmas or you go to hell. It's sin. Because it was, sin, it, it was like, uh-huh. you, didn't, you were avoiding like things that were too indulgent, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah you're not trying to be exactly. wasteful. Okay. Yeah. Too indulgent. It was too delicious. Um, <laughs> however, sometime in the 1460s, 1470s, somewhere around there, uh, in, in Saxony, the head, the CEO of Mr. Ernst, elector, elector of Saxony, wrote to the Pope, Pope, maybe Pope Nicholas V, or maybe somebody in this family. The timeline was all kind of messed up and weird. It said that there's you, you can read things that say that this guy wrote to the Pope, but he would have been nine years old when he wrote to the Pope. It's like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, this is messed up. But anyway, somebody at Saxony wrote to Pope Nicholas V, and it's just, please, for the love of God, <laughs> let us use butter in our Christmas cakes. Because they were using oil. And it was it was even grosser that, than yeah. gross. Yeah. <laughs> it was gross. Uh, and the Pope said no. And then five Popes later, eventually... Pope Innocent VIII. Now, Ernst is already dead at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Never lived to see his dream. Never lived to see his dream of butter. Um, Pope Innocent VIII wrote what is now famously known in Germany, because stolen is this, like, national treasure, and there's, just like there's beer laws in Germany. Uh uh There's stolen laws? There's stolen laws. I don't know if there are laws, but there's definitely regulations on rules of, of doing it, and, like, you know, organizations and families that have done it for X number of years. And yeah, the Pope Innocent VIII in uh, 1490s writes what is now infamously known as the butter brief, butter brief or butter letter, the butter letter in which, in which he says by order of the Pope, that it is cool to use butter in your Christmas stuff. Oh, he must have been so popular. If. Oh, you paid the Vatican some money. Oh. So every time you wanted to use butter, you had to give, I think some sources said like one twentieth of a gold piece to the church. And this was, of course, they, they called it the, they called it the butter penny, paying your butter penny mm. uh, for the right to use butter during Christmas. You give me some money. I, I preemptively absolve you of the sin so that you're, weird. it's a sin and you'll burn in hell, but you give me some money first and totally then cool. go ahead and do it. It's, and it's, it's like okay the most me. low level indulgence I've ever heard it is. of. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So this is selling of indulgences. And this is when Martin Luther from Saxony nailed his 95 theses to the church door. And he was like, we don't like these things about the church. One of the big ones was the selling of indulgences of like, it's a sin unless you pay me and then it's not a sin anymore. And so, but they paid the, the butter penny for like, you know, 20, you know, years and, and more until Saxony solved their butter problem entirely 
by going Protestant. Uh, <laughs> wow. So the fruitcake brought down the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Long story short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Martin Luther did not, did he specifically <laughs> mention fruitcake in the 95 Theses? He did not, but, but it definitely was a, uh, it was a problem. Now the, the history of your modern day fruitcakes here is really the history of Europe and the history of sugar. Why are they packed so full of fruit? Because that is the only place from which they could derive sweetness, right? right? So you pack it full of fruit. There was some sugar in Europe at the time, but it was like, it was like, it was like saffron today. You know, you pay a lot of money for For a teeny little bit bit of it. And then it's Mm -hmm. only, you know, you know, director of Saxony gets to have it and that's it, right? Um, or the Pope. But what starts happening in the 16th, 17th centuries to Europe? Imports. Not even so much imports. They get on boats and they go to the Caribbean and they start colonizing the Americas. Mm. And they get there and they're like, oh, you guys grow all this sugar. Well, what ends up happening is, um, you know, in like places like Barbados and Jamaica, they were already making sugar and now they're sending it back. And people start going, I mean, imagine never having sugar. And then suddenly (laughs) the price drops where you can have sugar whenever you want. You go a little sugar crazy. You're like, oh man, this is the new thing. Jams and jellies and cocoa and sugar in your tea and chocolate and, you know, everything they could cram sugar into. (laughs) Um, And it got to the point where, like, by the 18th century, like, if you were in Jamaica, all you did was make sugar. Like, Mm. 90-some-odd percent of their, like, GDP was was just making sugar and sending it to the U.K., and so the fruitcake becomes even more decadent, and they just try to figure out ways to cr- more sugar, more, <laughs> more sugar in there. Candy the fruits, and you know, oh, I see. We're making now we're making yeah. rum out of the sugar, so let's so soak, soak it, it in that yeah. alcohol yeah. as much as you can cram into a fruitcake. So like uh, before the fruitcake were like dried fruit, it really literally just dried fruit, not yeah, like I mean, added, you know, like delicious dried, like right, got right, it. Right. So they jelly the fruit. Like you might be able fruit. to put like honey in it or something like yeah. that, but, but even that you don't have a whole lot of it. But now this like cheap cane sugar just getting shipped over by the boat wow. full. Now you can make these intense. Uh, some people were saying that fruitcake was actually outlawed briefly, like prohibition, because people felt it was so indulgent and so over the top that like, <laughs> people Moral panic. did not make it. Yeah. That did not last. It's like taking somebody's drugs away. It doesn't work. Um, and so all the sugar and the alcohol, I mean, it really does preserve, you know, fruitcakes can really preserve them well, surprisingly well. Sometimes people will make a fruitcake and then deliberately age it. And they say, well, you have to age it before you eat it. And on November 28th, 1878, Fidelia Ford of Berkey, Ohio, made a fruitcake. In her, fired up the old wood stove and made a fruitcake in the farmhouse, right? Uh-huh. To age it for a year. So she'd age it for a year, November 28th, and then they'd eat it the following Thanksgiving day. They'd eat her fruitcake. Well, the fruitcake made it, but Fidelia did not make it the next <laughs> Thanksgiving. And the family... In her memory, yeah. couldn't couldn't bring themselves to, to eat, eat the fruitcake. So they just held on to her fruitcake. They held on to her fruitcake for about 125 years. Oh, wow. my God. The fruitcake is still around. It is the oldest documented fruitcake <laughs> anywhere. In 1964, one of the family members, Uncle Amos... Uncle Amos was in his 80s, and the cake was just a little older than he was. The cake was 86 at that point. Oh he was God. maybe a little younger than the cake. <laughs> he was just like, you know, it's a darn shame nobody's eaten this this cake yet. And they were just like, 
ate some. So he <laughs> yeah. hacked off a piece and he ate it. And then in 2003, which is when the cake turned 125, so it's actually like 136 now, they, they took it on Jay Leno's show <laughs> and Jay Leno ate a piece of this fruitcake <laughs> on the air. Uh-huh. And he's okay now. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't oh, die. He's okay. Yeah, and, yeah <laughs> but, like, Jay Leno, he's alive. Good? No, it tasted like nothing. It was described by one of the family members who also had a piece, I think, on the show as like, just like going out and like harvesting wheat and just like taking some wheat and <laughs> just chewing on it. Oh, so it's not even sweet right or not yeah. dry. Oh. But it's just, they put it in this, um, they didn't really, it, they put it into a, uh, a baking or a serving dish, you know, with a, with a glass cover. And then of course they put a little copy of great, great grandma's obituary in there with the fruit. <laughs> it just, it, you know, the climate. The fact that it was reasonably airtight, the fact that it was probably soaked so full of fruits and alcohol and everything, it preserved it. It never went moldy. And it never it wasn't refrigerated? No. Or ca- oh, no. It just sit, sat on the table. Oh, I, I would try some. I would try some. <sighs> so that so we could pass this this hostess thing from family to member to family. Like, member I would really lick it. To. I would not eat it though. <laughs> you would lick it. Lick it's like eating <laughs> it. It couldn't possibly be worse than the thirty uh, year old gum that we got oh, out of those true. trading cards. You guys ate no, those. Really could. <laughs> that was <laughs> bad. That was probably that was probably that was a lot more poison. harmful yeah. than, than <laughs> yeah, the yeah, fruit because it had actual chemicals. Quite frankly, well, what? we know how the fruit cake was stored. That gum, I don't know where it's. Yeah, those those chemicals might have broken down into poison. All right, for <laughs> okay, okay, for the season. No, <laughs> you can do what do the NPR voice. Yeah, you yeah, can you totally do an NPR delicious dish voice. <laughs> <laughs> so for season's eatings, I was thinking about um, my family's traditions of what kinds of meats we eat for for Christmas. Mm, like uh-huh. my my mom loves the holidays. Thanksgiving is her favorite because of all the pageantry and like <laughs> you have to make turkey. But she's also pretty into Christmas. I don't know what you guys eat. Do you guys eat a specific meat for Christmas? We mm. we used to go to my great aunt's house and she would do kind of she would call it traditional British style. So we would have like, you know, roast beef and then mm. we would do like the Yorkshire pudding and all that stuff. So I guess yeah. roast beef would be probably what? Yeah, I feel like we always did like we we would go somewhere for Christmas at grandma's house or whatever and have mm-hmm. ham, probably ham. But then in recent years we've started doing prime rib. This Yum. is less of a tradition in Marve. Prime rib is delicious. Yeah. From what I know of, of what I think American culture is, you eat turkey for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then you eat ham for Christmas. Yeah. 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 Or the yeah. goose, right? Sounds oh, right. Christmas goose. goose. I think That's goose a... is more like UK. Yeah. Meat. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys named the three major, the three major meats, turkey, turkey goose, and ham. Oh, okay. Uh, so this quiz, Oops. I wrote a quiz for you guys about turkey, goose, or ham. Oh. So the answer is always about... Turgoosum. Turgoosum. Yeah. Sorry. So you guys can buzz in with your answers. All right. So first question, let's start out, starting off with the BuzzFeed question. According to BuzzFeed, in their poll of readers, what did the majority of readers say they were going to eat on Christmas? What kind oh. of meat? Uh, Chris. Ham. Ham. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say turkey. It's, just, it's so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. You've already yeah. done the turkey. You've probably been yeah. eating Thanksgiving leftovers until like December 12th, right? So... Yeah, I feel like people are more health conscious now. Like, I, maybe like white meat. I don't know. Oh, speaking of health conscious, according to CalorieKing.com, a four ounce serving of which meat has the most calories? Ooh, most the turkey, calories. dark meat with skin roasted, mm. goose roasted with skin, or ham cured, boneless, regular, 11% fat roasted? Uh, Karen. Goose. Goose, goose, yes. Goose is fat. So, Christmas is coming. So the goose is getting fat, etc. Yes. Et yep. And plus the skin. Yep. 
Goose is 345 calories for four ounces. Mm. Turkey, dark meat with skin roasted is 206 calories. And ham, even with regular with 11% fat, is 201 calories. So it's slightly less than dark meat turkey. It's the skin, man. It's the skin. That's all fat. Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What did Scrooge buy for the Cratchit family at the end of A Christmas Carol? (laughs) I've got to go ahead and say a goose. No. 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 <gasps> a ham. Turkey. No. It was a turkey. Oh, yeah. Turkey? It was a turkey. Tiny Tim, right? He's yeah. like, go fetch me a turkey or something. Yes, oh. yes. There was the prize turkey, the biggest turkey in the butcher's window. The one that, like, comically large turkey. That's what he bought them for Christmas. <laughs> novelty size. The novelty turkey. I wonder turkey. if the turkey was more rare at that point yes. in the UK. Than, yeah, oh. That's part of it, too. More it's expensive. like exotic yeah. extravagance. Oh. Right, right. So, right, like, yeah. don't just eat the goose. I'll get you the biggest turkey in all of London. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Smithfield Farms was famous for feeding their animals peanuts in order to make the meat fattier. What kind of meat? Colin. Turkey. Ham. It's ham. Oh. Yes. Peanuts to the pigs. Yes. Pork and peanuts are are really um, related to each other. Huh. It's big in the South. Oh. Okay. Okay. That sounds very, yeah. Lucky pigs. Yeah. (laughs) Well. Well, Yeah. Until. Up up to a point. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) to an extent. All right. So which one has the most Google search results? Christmas turkey, Christmas ham, or Christmas goose? Uh, Chris buzzed in. I'm going to go ahead and say Christmas ham. I'm going to say turkey. What did you think, Colin? I was going to say ham. It's turkey. Yeah. Christmas turkey. The fact that you specified Christmas... If you had just said otherwise, I would have guessed turkey because everyone's oh, looking okay. for recipes. But and also, there's a country named Turkey. Like, there's a lot of things. Oh, like named- Christmas in Turkey. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah. But then so uh, it's like I feel like yeah. Turkey is trickier to cook. Hence, you need to look it up and look for like the right. Re- you know, because you don't want to poison people. Whereas ham's already like cured, and you know, you're not doing it at home. Like, you know, I was well, gonna- but you still got to buy it. You still got to find out where yeah, you can buy one. You- if, if I if I were gonna buy a Christmas ham, I would start by googling Christmas ham. I would just go to a grocery store. Which one is the fastest animal? Ah. A, turkey, a turkey, a pig, or a goose? Turkey. I say turkey. I say turkey as well. So on the ground, turkey is the fastest. Yep. 15 yep. miles yep. per hour. Yeah. But goose can fly. Right. Oh. They, they can, oh. When they're just cruising, it's 40 to 50 oh, miles we're per hour. About ground speed. I didn't, say, didn't ground say ground speed. Oh, that's, right. that's what tricky. What a tricky that's, mean. Yep, yep, well, yep. if a pig was on an airplane, then that a would pig be really would be fast. really fast. Yep. Well, if Usain Bolt holds a, holds a goose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. In National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, yes. yeah. they're at the table. Uh-huh. Chevy Chase is standing at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he's about to serve the holiday meat. Mm-hmm. What meat? It is a turkey. It is a turkey. Yeah, it is a turkey. Yeah. It is a turkey. And it, yeah, it's dry. it's beautiful it's, on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and then it is completely gone dry on the inside. It's like <laughs> Yeah. And it explodes. Gases. And, yeah. yeah. Um I was gonna ask more questions about what people served on TV for Christmas, like which of those meats? It was almost always turkey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Just it's like, like, visually a Christmas, a Christmas yeah. story. The yeah. Bumpus Hounds eating the eating the Ralphie's turkey. Yep. Yeah. Dad, yeah. You know. I think visually it's more there's it's more parts to understand. Yeah. 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 Whereas meat is like or, or ham is like a hunk like yep. a ball. Yeah. Cool. Good job, you guys. Hey, thanks. Now I am hungry. I kind <laughs> of want some meat. I don't know if this is interesting or not, but George Washington at 
in his uh, first Christmas as the president had all three meats. He had like all oh, the meats. Baller. Yeah. yeah, he's a meat baller. Yeah, on the three. public's dime. Yeah, <laughs> thanks Washington. Washington. Yeah, with oh, his wooden baller. I just got that. <laughs> yeah, got a meat baller. Meat baller. That's good. I like yeah. that. All right, let's take a, a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and. 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Talking about meats, I did not grow up with eating goose, ham, beef, whatever. I grew up eating fried chicken for Ooh. Christmas. Okay. And this is a very common thing. Uh, very yes. common in Japan. Yes. The Christmas oh, yeah. tradition um, in Japan and other countries, but really mostly from Japan, is you eat not only fried chicken, you <laughs> eat KFC right. yeah. for Christmas. Aww. China is the second largest market for KFC, and Japan is number three. Uh, U.S. is obviously number one. So KFC mm. has a really, really strong presence in Asia. And yeah. Christmas isn't a national holiday. It's celebrated in the marketing yeah. sense. Like, right, like right. Pictures of reindeers. Yeah. And, but, like, especially... It's the, the commercial part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Christmas in Japan is, like, another Valentine's Day, yeah. basically. It's, like, for couples, and you, like, get a Christmas cake, or you, like, go out Aww. on a date and get dinner at Christmas. Only... One percent of the Japanese population is estimated to be Christian, right? right. Okay. So right. they're not really. There's no celebra- tradition there. Yeah. yeah, there's no. They're not celebrating the religious aspect of it. Yep. So how did this start? The the, the legend is when a group of foreigners or expats or Americans uh, who were in Japan on Christmas Day couldn't find turkey because there's you uh, can't really oh. buy turkey. They decide to eat fried chicken, of course, cool. instead. And then that kind of started becoming a thing. So a lot of foreigners on Christmas Day would get chicken. Mm. And then KFC is like, wait a minute. This is a op- like this is an obvious like opportunity that we should really take advantage of. So the next several years, they really pumped up the marketing. Really make it clear. It's Christmas. Christmas equals Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yep. Yeah. And yep. this was in the 70s. It's mm. not a, it's not like, you know, recently. It's it's been in people's minds for like 40 years uh. that Kentucky Fried Chicken, or sorry, KFC now, Christmas. Yeah, so you have like a whole generation of people mm. who grew up knowing nothing but that. Yeah, exactly. The year when they first did the marketing campaign, they actually, it was the bucket of fried chicken and wine. Like it was oh, kind yeah? of a package deal. Okay. Oh. So I see chicken. why it's for couples. Yeah. How romantic. Yeah, you can get, yeah, al- you can get alcohol at a lot of Japanese yeah. fast food places. Yep. Chicken and wine, and it sold um, at that time probably about $10, which is kind of pricey. Yeah. And this was in the, the mid-70s. Oh, yeah. um, so today, if you go to KFC for the Christmas chicken dinner, now it comes with champagne and Chris mentioned Christmas cake. 
and it's oh. about 40 bucks. <laughs> it's worth it, probably. Yeah, for yeah. like a family, you know. That's awesome. That's all of your Christmas meal yeah. done. Done. Yeah. You got your booze, you got your yeah. sweets, yeah. you got your chicken. And it's just, it because there are no traditions attached to it, it was like this sort yeah. of open, you know, for anybody to rush in there and like make it about them. It, a little bit of corporate history behind KFC in Japan. It was a joint venture between the American KFC and Mitsubishi Corporation. Yes. Ah. All, all like successful, like when, when Japan is so kind of closed off, um, you have to like partner mm. with a Japanese company to like make your product a success in Japan. Yeah. Even like, uh, Disney, Tokyo Disney is, yeah. is technically done with a, with a joint venture yep. with a Japanese company. You can get your yep. entry um, into the that's market. That's the one where yep. we had, we like, we know a lot of Disney employees. That's the park they can't get you into. Yep. Because uh-huh. it's just a separate company basically that runs it. So at the Osaka World Expo in 1970, they debuted a, a store, a test store of K, of, of, sorry, at that time it was still Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Sure. Right. Before yeah. the name change. And it was obviously really successful because it was fried chicken. And also, it was American. It seemed really American. They have the Colonel, Kentucky, you know, very, very homey. Mm -hmm. Since it was a hit, they decided, yes, let's go in and let's let's open up some stores. So the funny thing is the U.S. counterpart of Kentucky Fried Chicken, they're like, we should do what has been successful in the States is you open up KFC stores in the suburbs. Because hmm. then you know you know they buy it for it's family. alternative yeah. family right. dinner, right? Right. right. However, yeah. the the big the big cultural difference between the two cultures at the time is that America is very car automobile centric. Mm-hmm. At yeah. that time, Japan wasn't mm-hmm. that into uh, you know like not a lot of people would drive out to the suburbs. They take the train no. or something. Yeah. And even now, restaurants what, and things are clustered around train stations. Yep. And, yeah. and big department stores. You do all of your stuff in, in one trip, mm. kind of. The Japanese counterparts, like, no, we got to hit the bigger city centers. Mm. Um, mm. So what they did was they did open some of the suburban stores and they failed. Uh, yeah. They lost money. Yep, yep. And so they're like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's listen to uh, <laughs> the people who live there. There is no, there is no like, Oh, the family, we're the family. We're going to go out to dinner and go to a family, you know, restaurant. Like they're, they're that tradition of taking the whole family out to dinner is not as much of a thing. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. mom probably doesn't work. Mom makes dinner Cooks. at home. KFC now kind of slots into that. Like students, they just got out of school, you know, out of high school and they're not going to go home for dinner for a while, so they're going to go to KFC and eat, or like, you know... Urban, young, yeah, like, professionals. I'm, uh, you know, I worked really late, mm-hmm. and I'm going to stop at KFC before I go home, that kind of thing. So Japanese KFCs have delivery. Ah, they will deliver yes. KFC to your house. That's right. Yep. All these people in scooters with a little hot KFC yeah. box, oh. and they yep. come in and they deliver KFC to you. And KFCs in Japan, and in Asia, other mm-hmm. parts of Asia, they really are super primed with efficiency and customer service. Oh, yeah. Even, like, the uniform, like, it, everything is very friendly, and they do have a lot of fun with the icon of Colonel Sanders yes. than we do. It's almost like Hello Kitty in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They dress him up in well, different, like, they, seasons. So every Japanese, every or almost every, everyone that I've ever seen, Japanese Kentucky Fried Chicken has... A statue, like this polyrosin kind of statue, yeah, yeah, um, life size of Colonel Sanders out in front of the door, which we don't have in America. And yeah. they would dress him up for different seasons, a little Santa hat, little, for... Santa hat, yep. little Halloween yep. costume. So it's a cute character. Whereas here, we're kind of like, oh, it's an old Southern yeah, dude. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a mascot. You know what they call him? 
in Japan, Colonel Sanders. They, they a lot of people call him Kentakun. Is oh, what they kind of how they Kentucky, ah. and then Kenta is a Japanese boy's name. Oh. So and then Kun is like San, but for like you know little kids or like your pal. Yeah, so they it's call like him little, Kenta Kentakun, like Kentucky pal, little, little Kentucky <laughs> pal. But yep. your little Kentucky pal is an old man. Yeah. But if you asked him like what is this guy's name, they would either say I don't know or oh you know Kentakun. Oh, not Colonel Sanders. They would not necessarily uh, know that. Yeah, you'd have to be um, deep into your KFC yeah. <laughs> otaku lifestyle, uh, <laughs> which to be fair, some people probably are. But yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's yeah. I do have a very warped warped oh, yeah. uh, Christmas tradition in terms of eating uh, than most people. I yeah. actually don't mind eating fried chicken for Christmas. I no. want some right I, now. Yeah, yeah. I want them to deliver right to this table. <laughs> <laughs> you can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. We're getting hungry here. I think it's time for our last segment. Colin? Yes. So Can you go quickly so we can go eat? All right. I'll get some fried chicken. Not fruitcake? Not fruitcake. No takers? Over the next couple of weeks, people, listeners, you'll be getting together with family. Maybe you'll be having office holiday parties. Many occasions to get together. And whether you love your family and your coworkers, whether they cause you stress, one thing works in both cases – Alcohol. Oh, yeah. yeah. It amplifies yeah. whatever feelings are already there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have enough of it, it'll just shut you down completely. <laughs> um, and in fact, if you have too much, I think all of us at this table have probably had this. You wake up the next morning and you are hungover yeah. with a holiday hangover. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to yeah. me recently. Oh, yeah? It's been a while for me, luckily. I'm knock on, knock on wood here. I haven't been hungover in a while, but... Uh, my head was throbbing. I can't tell if I'm, like, really hungry or if I'm going to throw up. Oh, this is oh. TMI. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is good. You're, well, you're we're kind older of... now, and it's like... It, it, now it's sort of like I have, like, a couple of drinks, maybe, and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, oh. my God, did I get punched in the head? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with, like, holiday parties and family dinners is you're usually in one spot for a long time. Often you show up before food is served. Yeah. Often you're nervous or you're chatty or, or you're just feeling jovial. Right. Yeah. And you end yeah. up drinking more than you thought you were going to drink. Sure. Yep. Often on yeah. an empty stomach. Yep. Yep. So let me ask you guys, what what causes a hangover? Why, are you, why oh. if you drink too much one night, you wake up the next morning and you feel like crap? I want to guess dehydration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's dehydration. There's, I mean, there's toxins in your system that your body is, like, flushing out, like, in the process of removing from your system. And you're, there's, there's a mixture of... Uh, Correct some, and yeah, overblown in there. Wrong and, and, the, and true in there. The, the, well, so I mean, it's it's several things. There uh-huh. are several things going on, but really, sort of the two biggest problems are Karen. You said it's the 
dehydration is mm-hmm. is the single worst part of drinking. Oh, because because it's it's the way it gets the toxins out is by using water and making you pee them out, right? Well, so it's alcohol, like you know, sweat. it's not yeah. it's not so much toxins per se. It's that alcohol is a diuretic. Alcohol makes you pee more, yeah, and yeah, yeah. if you're especially if you're mm-hmm. not filling back up with water as you're drinking, you are just going to be dehydrated by the time morning rolls around. Mm-hmm. Um, it does also uh, mess with your blood sugar levels having too much alcohol. Mm-hmm. Which you know, if your blood sugar gets low or out of balance, you'll be fatigued, you'll be weak, you'll be dizzy. It, it's not so much toxins per se as it irritates your stomach. You know, I mean, your stomach lining is not meant really to process large copious amounts of alcohol. Um, and so when you wake up the next morning and you're nauseous or you've got cramps or just stomach's feeling bad, it's because your stomach's been irritated. Uh, do you mean nauseated? Sorry, nauseated. yes. <laughs> yes. Nauseated. I believe it is an acceptable uh, second meaning in the dictionary. Okay. Um, and Right behind dehydration is inflammation. Like it just it oh. produces an inflammatory response in your body, and those you know most people who study, and there are people who study hangovers, they agree it's the dehydration, the inflammation, and so of what part? J- your whole body, oh. just you just an inflammatory response all the way around. Obviously, a lot in your stomach, but just it, so why people get red in the face. That's why some people get red. Oh. Well, it, it increases blood flow. Um, mm-hmm. or it opens up your blood vessels, which also contributes to headaches. That's, that's one reason why you get headaches when you've drunk too much. Uh, and then on, you know, sort of a lower level, you know, people are like, oh man, I slept so well. Like I, I crashed it. You know, when I got 10 hours of sleep, why do I feel so bad? It's because even though you may pass out, you don't get restful sleep when you're, when your body's mm-hmm. processing alcohol. Oh. You may be asleep, but it's not restorative, restful sleep the way a normal night's sleep. Right. Um, and so, you know, Chris, you mentioned toxins. Alcohol, it's not toxins necessarily, but alcohol has things that are called congeners. C-O-N-G-E-N-E-R-S mm. in it. And, and what a congener is, is basically, uh, or congener, if you prefer, it's basically <laughs> anything aside from the actual alcohol. It's like, it's everything that's in alcohol oh, or liquor that makes not- it smell, taste, look different from other alcohol. Got it. And those in particular, so these are things like, like tannins, esters, mm-hmm. you know, you've heard mm-hmm. of these kind of things, and they're present in different amounts. Um, those also contribute to making you feel hungover the mm-hmm. next morning. Interesting. True or false? True or false? You may have heard these before. True or false? Darker liquors and darker (laughs) alcohols cause worse hangovers than lighter alcohols. Um, true. False. Uh... I think false. It is true. It's true. It is true. Because you just said yes. all the other stuff outside yes. of the uh, alcohol. Karen, oh. Karen didn't get thrown. Yeah. Uh. Th- the, the darker liquors have more congeners in them, and they have been shown. This is so bourbon will make a worse hangover than gin. Mm-hmm. Red wine will produce a worse hangover than white wine. Huh. They, they have studied this empirically. Huh. There was a reading about a study, of course, on college kids, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. oh, if okay. anyone knows how to drink to excess, it's, it's college kids. I just, I routinely just sort of, my brain just likes to reject any and all like of the received old wives tales of yeah. wisdom of yeah. beer before liquor job, and this effect. and that and it's like <laughs> no it's just all the alcohol you're drinking that makes your hangover bad but okay I can see that yeah. so you wake up in the morning you got a hangover what what are your mm. remedies what do you <laughs> do these this is probably one of the most fertile well, grounds for folk remedies sure I mean well, some people will tell Chris you to go talked about hair eat. of the dog before. Yeah, but that's not actually uh, true. Right. That is a very common one, in case you've never heard the expression the hair of the dog that bit you. It's basically drink more in the morning. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know? Um, Which will cause you to feel something. Water. 
drink water. Ice drink water. lots of water. But of course, what everybody tells you is that you have to go out and eat the greasiest, fattiest, most ridiculous. Oh, it's a hangover cure. It's three beef patties and you know two uh, two eggs, and it's all covered in mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. it changes yeah. the bad that you feel. Right, like it changes exactly. the kind of bad <laughs> yeah. that you feel. Yeah. It like, redirects the bad. Yeah. My stomach hurts, so and like, slug them in the shoulder. Does it hurt <laughs> now? They're like, I don't no. think I have a hangover anymore. <laughs> right now, right. my stomach hurts. Yep. Yeah. yeah, those those are kind of the two big ones, at least in America. Yeah, the hair of the dog that bit you, drink yep. more, Bloody Mary or a mimosa or something. And right. it, some people swear by it. It may minimize some of your physical pain, but it's actually yeah. not going to It's not gonna get rid of your hangover by introducing more alcohol into your system. Right. The greasy food one, I always heard that one a lot. And mm-hmm. again, you know, people swear by it. And if it works for you, great. There's no physiological mechanism oh. by which greasy food will counteract a hangover. Placebo but effect. it tastes... Fantastic. It's just a really good excuse. Well, I guess I better go get the Grand Slam breakfast then. Curly fries. Yeah, right. They're the best. Yeah. Mm. Or people will go the the other direction entirely of like, oh, just, you know, oatmeal or like porridge Uh or just something that's really mild on the stomach. You know, if you have the presence of mind to do this, drink as much water as you can before you go to sleep. Yep. Give your body a few hours to kind of get it into your system. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have the inflammatory response. So anti-inflammatories really are very good for hangovers. Really? So things like, you know, ibuprofen, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Advil, those kind of things that are designed to be anti-inflammatory. Not just taking the pain away, but it's the the inflammatory aspect. That's right. That's right. That's it'll reduce the overall. uh, And you want to be careful with this, too, you know, because you have too much, uh, you know, over-the-counter pain. It's bad for your liver, bad for your kidneys. You do not want to take uh, acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. You do not want to mix Tylenol and alcohol. Those are particularly hard on your liver um, in in any case, but especially if you're hungover. Have you guys seen uh, commercials for Baraka at all recently? Baraka? Yes. I know know Banaka. This is, uh, th- we apparently here in the U.S. are among the last in the world to find out about Baraka. <laughs> okay. um, so it's been available uh, all over the world. It's extremely popular in Australia as a hangover remedy. Okay. What is it? So what Baraka is, is they sell it as a supplement. It's like a little fizzy tablet you drop in a drink, kind of like, like an airborne tablet or an okay. Alka-Seltzer. Um, and it's got a ton of uh, B vitamins. It's got caffeine and guarana. It's got all these other things that are marketed for immune health. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the company that sells it, they, Bayer, they are aware that people buy it as a hangover cure. Oh. They cannot market it as a hangover oh. cure for a variety of reasons. Sure. Like, you know... These statements have not been evaluated. So, you know, they sell it as, uh, it's, uh, an energy support product. It's, you know, increases <laughs> your, your mental sharpness. It'll give you a little energy boost, but they know full well that people are buying it as a hangover cure. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this. They only just recently started selling it, you know, full bore here in the States. Huh. They, they uh, had been trying some trial sales for a while to see if, oh, are Americans going to buy this stuff? After they noticed that a lot of people were having, Australian or British friends coming back and like, oh, hey, bring me some Baraka. I need this for my hangover cure. Yeah. Opportunity there. (laughs) Right. And, you know, not to turn this into a commercial for Baraka, it may help alleviate some symptoms. The caffeine, Mm -hmm. you know, caffeine does fight headaches, so it'll address that. And the people do say that B vitamins in particular, if you're going to sort of try and stock up on anything after hangover, B vitamins are actually really good to load up on. But, you know... Mm -hmm. 
it's probably mainly just the fact that you're drinking it with water. water. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's forcing you to rehydrate. It's forcing you to get a little bit of caffeine in there. Um, so if you see the commercials for this energy, you know, mood lifter, like it's the subtext is drink this when you got a hangover. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's awesome. All right. So as part of my research of hangover cures around the world, I, I got into a side hole of what do people around the world call a hangover? Okay. And this is really fun, oh, just sort of the, the yeah. metaphoric. Uh, yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. it is in Japanese, Chris? Yes, yeah, tsukayoi. Um, right, which drunk, translates to... Second day being drunk. Yeah, yeah. Second, second day drunk or two day drunk. Yeah. I like that. That's very kind of... Um, it's very illustrative. In German, uh, they talk about a catter or Dutch as well. Catter, I've got a cat. You know, like the image of like, what? like I got a cat in my head kind of thing. Oh, like I'm dealing like with a cat the out. next day. Oh, right. That's how I describe my cramps. Uh, <laughs> you've got a cat. I got a cat oh. in my womb. I like this one. Uh, in, I always in... picture a mean gnome. Oh, Is that really? weird? That's a, yeah. Oh, that's okay. so cute. I always, whenever I get cramps, I think of a like cat. Like stabbing with the pickaxe. Like, hey. Oh, I think it's a, like a crazy cat in my uterus. Oh, that's oh. great. Yeah. Dana, that's actually really right on point for some yeah. of these. Other, so like in Icelandic, you'll you'll talk about you have a timberman. Timberman, meaning oh. like a woodsman. As if there's like a little like woodsman in your head, like yeah. chopping logs oh, or something funny. like that. Um, in Swedish, it's baksmala. In Swedish, they'll say either a bakfilla or baksmala, mm -hmm. which kind of has a double meaning. It's kind of like the, the back part of being drunk, but it also can sort of, the implication is like you're getting smacked in the butt, smacked in the back. You know, it's like, oh, it's still, it's still getting me the next day. It's a lot of like, violence in the head. It's awfully, like. yeah, located. It's clear where, where most of the pain comes from. And we'll come back to English uh, here. So uh, hangover, the word, it has a meaning like holdover, you know, like they, they had that original sense, oh, you know, like, holdover oh. Holdover from last night. Exactly, exactly. That's where it got it. Uh, but that only dates to around 1900, shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. Do you know, oh. in English, what you would call the feeling of being hungover before we started using the word hangover? I am so pleased wow. to be able to share no. this Lobotomy. word with you. What is it? Up until around 1900, you would say you're feeling crapulous. Oh. That, wow. that is the word oh. for hungover. Feeling awesome. crapulous. Is that where crap comes from then? We don't know. The, the, it comes from Latin. Crap. That's an old It's an word. old, yeah. old Super word. Old. It is. Yep. It really is. It comes from crapula. Ultimately, they think it comes from <laughs> Greek, kripali, meaning... Drunken headache, oh. nausea from debauching, hangover, crapulous. Crapulous. Yeah. crapulous. I was feeling crapulous. Yes, OED has some good examples of men who spend their evenings over their wine and awake crapulous in the morning. Wow. Yeah. I feel you know if you said today, I would have thought it was a a, a portmanteau. Of like, yeah. I feel like crap and ridiculous. It's like right, delicious, uh, yeah. Yeah. doesn't it? Seem like a made up crapulous. crapulous. It does. It does. I, I just wow. yeah. Some some languages uh, they'll have some variation on this word. Like in Finnish, like crapula is the word for a hangover, huh. and it's just yeah. a direct line from this original meaning. Whoa! I, w I want to try and bring this back. Yes. Like like listeners, Let's like drink yes. This, this yep. is not a dirty word. It doesn't come from crap. Mm -hmm. So the next day, going to work or school, it's like, man, I'm feeling so crapulous today. <laughs> we can do yeah. it. We can bring this word back. Go, go forth. Go drink, forth. Go drink, forth. Yeah. Drink and be, be crapulous. <laughs> awesome. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about hangovers, about meats of sorts, uh, <laughs> fruitcake, 
and fried chicken. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Crapulous. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.